What is up, all you rock and rollers out there in podcast land? You know what time it is. It's Friday night. It is time for the latest episode of The Fortress of Rock, December the 1st, 2023, episode 120 with me, your humble, gracious host, the maestro Kevin Crane, as always. Very appreciative, very glad to have all you kids aboard for this extravaganza. You know what we start off with each and every week. It's news of the world. Of course, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. Let's get into it, shall we? I will I will say up front, we've got a lot of tour news coming up here in a few minutes. Not much else. Kind of a slow week in the world of rock and roll in terms of scandals, conspiracies, just news in general. But we will, of course, do the best we can, as always. Now, we have an update first up with Hall & Oates. We mentioned last week this mysterious lawsuit that Daryl Hall has filed restraining order against John Oates, of course, Holland Oates, arguably, probably next to Simon and Garfunkel. Some would say the Everly Brothers in terms of the great duos of all time in rock history. Personally, for me, I would put Holland Oates second after Simon and Garfunkel. We get a little more of an insight, a little more of an idea of what's going on. Not a ton, though. It does look like, as I mentioned last week, it is financial. It looks like John Oates was trying to sell his partnership share to a company called Primary Wave Music, who already is involved, let's say, with the Hall & Oates brand, already owns a significant interest in Hall & Oates. But it looks like John Oates might be trying to, I don't want to say bail, but trying to get some more money out of this whole deal. And of course, Daryl Hall doesn't like that. So hence, ergo, therefore, lawsuit. So we'll see where this ends up going. And of course, you hate to hear restraining order because it makes it sound like John Oates went after Daryl Hall tried to punch him in the face, which is not the case at all. Of course, it's a restraining order in that they're trying to keep Daryl Hall's people, his lawyers, are trying to keep John Oates from completing this sale. Like I said, I'll update it as more information comes in. Now, I will admit something that might bring some shame to me. In all my years and decades on this planet, worshiping, loving rock and roll, I have never watched This Is Spinal Tap. I know, there are all the gasps out there across the podcast landscape. I'm just, the the guys, not a big fan of Michael McKeon, Harry Shearer, I just... 
they don't do it for me. So I never really was interested, even though it was a a parody, a satire of heavy metal, never, never just appealed to me. And I know it's legendary. And of course, now Rob Reiner, the director of This Is Spinal Tap, and one of the most despicable human beings on the planet. Oops, did I say that out loud? Well, old Meathead says that there is going to be a sequel produced in 2024, not necessarily released in 2024, but they will get into production on a sequel to This Is Spinal Tap next year. Now, we did have a couple of people leave us in the world of rock and roll. Jordy Walker, guitarist for Killing Joke. Now, the only thing I know about Killing Joke is a friend of mine way, way back, way, way back in high school. For me, way, way back. Turned me on to this song called 80s by Killing Joke. And it was a damn fine song. It rocked. It was punk. And of course, at that time, we were experiencing all different sorts of music. We'd just come out of the disco era. Hair metal was on the horizon. We were in the middle of classic rock, becoming classic rock with Van Halen, Night Ranger. So this this wild, intense song called 80s by Killing Joke was awesome. Now, I have not listened to the song. I have not heard the song in decades. That is my extent of Killing Joke knowledge. But very influential, according to those in the know. So condolences to the friends, the family members left behind by the passing of Jordy Walker. Now, again, another band that I have very little knowledge of, even less than Killing Joke, is the Pogues. But a little, again, a little bit of a, a theme here with these punk icons. Shane McGowan, frontman for the Pogues, passed away here recently. So again, thoughts and prayers out to our fallen brothers or sisters. Just happens to be brothers this week in the world of rock and roll. All right, so now, before we get to the live music stuff, Simon Kirk of Bad Company had a lot to say here in a recent interview praising frontman Paul Rogers, praising the band Free, of course, praising his band, Bad Company, saying all three should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know if I'm going that far. I definitely think Bad Company warrants serious consideration. But the sad news is, because of health issues, and I did not realize Paul Rogers had had so many health issues in the recent past. 
Simon Kirk says bad company is pretty much over. All right, now on to the concert news. Of course, we're taping here on December the 1st. Tomorrow night, December the 2nd, is the quote-unquote final show of legendary rock band KISS. Of course, we talked about all the drama leading up to this last show. Doesn't look like Peter Chris or Ace Fraley will be involved. Ace Fraley, of course, had to take advantage of the, the publicity, the buildup for this final show to pimp himself and pimp his own upcoming album. But of course, Ace says, no chance. That's a direct quote. No chance. He will be involved in tomorrow night's show. He also says he is skeptical that this is the final KISS show. And I can't say I blame him for having those doubts. As we've talked about here in the past, how many bands have backed out on promises that this is our farewell tour, this is our final show. But you got to wonder, with, with that Bout of the flu we talked about last week, severe bout of the flu for Paul Stanley, where they had to cancel three shows, two in Canada, and also had to cancel a show in Knoxville, Tennessee. They did make it back on November the 25th for their Indianapolis show. So again, Very, very historically significant moment in rock history. Tomorrow night, Madison Square Garden, New York City, December the 2nd, 2023. The final live show from one of the greatest live acts of all time. Now, as I mentioned, Ace Fraley had to jump in and try to steal the spotlight. He, of course, has a new album coming out, 10,000 Volts. He releases a few days before this historic moment for his former bandmates. He releases the title track, the track listing, and the cover art. Never let it be said that Ace Fraley let a moment of promotion, self-promotion, slip away from him. Godsmack has got a new tour, the Vibes Tour. I don't know why they they call it that, why they came up with that V-I-B-E-Z. Kind of weird. But the Vibes Tour will be a more intimate experience with acoustic sets, electric, some electric, but it sounds like this is going to be a lot of acoustic stuff. Stories from the band's past. So basically, it sounds like almost the old MTV storytellers kind of setup. Over 35 dates starting in February of 2024, going through May of 2024 for Godsmack's Intimate. 
Vibes Tour. Then finally, news just broke today as we tape here on the 1st of December. Major, major classic rock tour. Now we've talked about the fact that Foreigner is another band like Kiss on their long, long, long farewell tour. Well, now they're bringing along a couple friends. Setting up a triple bill, very impressive triple bill, throughout the summer of 2024. Foreigner will be joined by Styx and John Waite for 36 North American dates as it stands right now after the initial announcement running from June well into August, appropriately called the Renegades and Jukebox Heroes Tour. Now, I'm intrigued by this because I have not seen Sticks in a while, and they put on one hell of a show. But I just saw Foreigner here this year. So, I'm on the fence about this one. I will check out prices. Got a couple options in terms of venues to see if next summer we'll have a review for you of the Renegades and Jukebox Heroes Tour. And that's going to do it for segment one. I told you, a little bit brief, a little bit truncated this week. But have no fear, segment two, we should be running a full 30 minutes as I have my review of Chris Isaac live in concert. My review of the new Jesse James Dupree album, Breathing Fire, and a couple new song reviews for you. So what we lack a little bit in segment one, we will more than make up for in segment two. Quick promo break. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane, and we will be right back on The Fortress of Rock. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket Cast, and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back Welcome back. Segment two here of the Fortress of Rock. December the 1st, 2023. Glad to have you with us. It is time for Breakdown. Our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Of course, 
This is where we discuss new music, live music. This is the guts, the heart, the meat and potatoes part of the podcast each and every week. The final concert review I will have for you in 2023 starts right now. Chris Isaac, live at the Lerner Theater in Elkhart, Indiana. This was Thanksgiving Eve, last Wednesday, November the 22nd. Now I want to give you a little bit of background, a little bit of a story time around the concert itself before I get into the show proper. Now, I've always been a big fan of Chris Isaac. I know some of you might be going, oh my God, this is like wussy, wussy stuff. Now, Chris Isaac is not a wuss. Chris Isaac is not mellow. Chris Isaac is awesome. A lot of you just know him by Wicked Game, and that is a criminal offense. Very, very punishable in rock and roll court for ignorance. Chris Isaac, so much better, has got so much more fantastic music you are missing out on if you're basically only listening to Wicked Game. Now, was I expecting a raucous full house sellout? Maybe not. The Lerner Theater in Elkhart, Indiana holds a couple thousand people. It's a nice intimate venue, similar to the Morris in South Bend, a little bit closer, but very, very similar venues. Also, the Honeywell Center down in Wabash, Indiana comes to mind. You know the kind of, of venue I'm talking about. Very ornate, very, very old school, prestigious feel to it with the upper balcony and then, of course, the floor seating. In the boxes, of course, you have to have the boxes where the royalty would sit if we had royalty in Indiana. So imagine my disappointment. Again, you guys know I have railed on this community, not necessarily the fans, but the city fathers around here, South Bend, Elkhart, Mishawaka for not stepping up and getting us more live music. It's just ridiculous. Again, I say this year after year after year, I have to drive two hours to Grand Rapids. I have to drive an hour and a half to Fort Wayne. I have to drive two hours to Indianapolis. I have to drive almost two hours into Chicago to see a decent show. And that's not the way it should be given the Metro population in this area. If you combine these three major cities, you're talking well over 200,000 people. Well, Thanksgiving Eve did not help matters at all. By our estimate, my friends and I, as we walked into the facility, went upstairs. We had balcony seats, upper balcony seats. We get up there and nice older female usher kind of looks at us. We had, we st- we got paper tickets for this one, believe it or not. And there was nothing ornate about the tickets though. 
They were basically printed on plain white ticket stock. No background, no nothing, no, you know, fraud protection background or anything fancy like that. So, so we get up there. We're there about five, 10 minutes before showtime because we were just a block over getting dinner. And she looks at us and and says, well, I can show you to your seats, but I'm just going to tell you right now, you can basically sit wherever you want. So we turn the corner and of course there are maybe 50 people in the upper balcony, which seats probably close to 700, 800 people would be my guess. So of course we move down center about five, six rows back from the, the front of the, the upper balcony. We didn't know when she said you can sit anywhere if she was talking about the floor. And our seats were fine. They were great when we moved up. But it's a shame, an absolute shame, the turnout for this show. We estimated maybe 300 people combined between the few of us in the upper balcony and the rest of the people on the floor. You're not going to get good concerts with turnouts like this. The word will spread. Again, disappointing, awful, awful turnout by this community. And I know it was Thanksgiving Eve, and I know that probably had something to do with it. It's amateur night for all the college students who are coming home to get blitzed the day before Thanksgiving. But still, where are the older people for this type of show? The college students being back shouldn't have had anything to do with anything. What are they? They all at home preparing and basting turkeys? That's no excuse to skip out on a great rock and roll show. And this was a great rock and roll show. Now, again, to show you the disappointing impact this show had, you guys know the best place to go for set lists. Setlist.fm, the wiki out there, has been around for years and years. Fans get on there, post the set lists so we can print them out and remember the shows, remember the songs, the sequence for years to come. Do the math, kids. It's been pretty much 10 days since the concert, and nobody in this area has posted the set list. Now you could say, hey, why didn't you keep track of this maestro? I'm too busy enjoying the performance. I'm not going to sit there every song typing it into my phone. I don't take pictures very much at concerts. I'll snap a few here and there. No video. I'm there to enjoy the show live. So what I did was I kind of went back a night or two to the show in Louisville, Kentucky, where somebody actually did post the set list from the night before, actually, November the 21st, kind of went through it. Chris Isaac changes things up. So I can't go song by song. I can't give you a complete, 100% accurate list of the songs he played in concert, but... 
we can cover the highlights. Now, of course, he always starts off every show with American Boy, which was the theme song to his Showtime television series. Yes, Chris Isaac had his own TV show for a few years on Showtime. And this dates back probably 30 years. And you cannot find it anywhere. It's one of those few shows with all the streaming outlets now, with all the the DVDs and the Blu-rays, you cannot find the Chris Isaac show anywhere. So American Boy kicks off every show. Now, this, this is the It's Almost Christmas tour. Of course, last year he put out It's Almost Christmas, his second Christmas album. Great, great holiday album, by the way. So we did get, I would say, maybe a, a third of the set was holiday music, but most of it was his originals with a few covers, classic covers thrown in there. But now we got Wicked Game fairly early in the set. I would say 20, 25 minutes in. Now, my personal favorites, I also got most of those as well. Speak of the Devil he played. Blue Hotel. You knew he was going to play that. San Francisco Days. Very happy he played that. Now, the Christmas part was kind of right there in the middle, and I did know most of the Christmas songs he played, again, because I have last year's It's Almost Christmas CD. And there's some fun stuff on there, and Chris Isaac is a very, very funny, funny guy. Especially when he's talking about Almost Christmas, the song that he wrote, about procrastination in terms of buying presents. And he tells a little story about one year he had to buy presents for a bunch of people. And the only place that was open was a Vietnamese bait shop. So of course, Christmas morning, he was getting, thank you for the blood worms, Chris. It's funny stuff. It is funny, funny stuff. He also has great songs about Christmas called Washington Square. And then Dogs Love Christmas Too. And then at the end, wrapping things up, probably his second most recognizable song, Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing. They did a bad, bad thing. They did a bad, bad thing. And a song that I had not heard in a long time, Big, Wide, Wonderful World, was awesome. So, to sum up, Chris Isaac, awesome. Concert, awesome. Just over an hour and a half, about an hour and 35 minutes. Well over 20 songs. Awesome. The lame-ass people in my community who did not buy tickets for this show did not show support, so we're never going to ever get great rock and roll shows here. You're all lame. You all disappoint me beyond belief. And one last little 
tidbit before we move on. By the way, wherever you are, across the country, across the world, if you ever get a chance to see Chris Isaac, do it. This was a fantastic show. As I mentioned, we walked up into the balcony area, almost completely empty. A friend of mine pulled out her phone, had happened to just jump on one of the resale sites, StubHub, something like that. We paid, let's say, between 60 and $75 for our tickets after fees and everything. Could have got tickets 10 minutes before the show, $7. Again, pathetic, disheartening, pathetic. All right, let's move on to some new rock and roll. The front man for Jackal, who we would normally have been seeing the week of Thanksgiving. I have regaled you with tales of how most years we are down in Indianapolis on Black Friday for the Jackal family reunion at the 8 Second Saloon. Well, they changed things up on us this year. They moved it to Thanksgiving night. And we decided, no, we're not doing Thanksgiving. We're taking a year off. And then Chris Isaac popped up, so it all worked out. But Jesse James Dupree, the front man, lead singer for Jackal, he's got a brand new solo album out. Breathing Fire. Now on this one, 10 songs. We will go track by track. Let me start off by saying the ACDC influence on this album is heavy. Very, very heavy. At times, Jesse James Dupree sounds like he's channeling Bon Scott. Eerily, spookily sounding like the deceased Bon Scott. Then, of course, Brian Johnson, who took over for Bon Scott in ACDC, co-wrote three of the songs on this album. So we start off with the fantastic Lay It On Me, which, again, right into the, the heavy ACDC vibe. The first single which we've talked about here. Never Gets Old, co-written by Brian Johnson of ACDC with Jesse James Dupree. Not quite as good as Lay It On Me, but it grows on you. It's a standard, awesome, fist-pumping rock and roll anthem. Never Gets Old, Making Love or Singing Rock and Roll. The title track is up next, track three, Breathing Fire, keeping the momentum going, yet another solid incendiary rocker. And then arguably my favorite song on the album is track four, arguably, we'll discuss that more in a minute. It's Not Love is just fantastic. Rodeo, rodeo, as the song closes. You have to listen to it for yourself. Take in the, the chorus, the awesome down and dirty chorus. 
great great song so four songs in we are looking at a fantastic album then things kind of let up a little bit we kind of take the foot off the gas pedal just a tad stranded is track five it's fine it's okay but it doesn't compare to the first four songs then we get born to ride the lightning a little bit more of that acdc feel not quite as good as lay it on me and then i think track seven is really what keeps this album from being great it's good but it's not great and it's because of track seven you put together a solo album if you're jesse james dupree yes you're trying to have your friend brian johnson legendary singer as a major part of this album we know back in an old jackal album they had the song kill the sunshine which was co-written again by brian johnson and jesse james dupree but not for this album it's an old jackal song and it's not one of jackal's best songs i don't know why jesse james dupree felt he had to kowtow this much to brian johnson to say let's not do another new song let's bring in a mediocre old jackal song and i'll play it along with this band i've assembled for my solo album by the way the band it's a trio jesse james dupree plays guitars as well as lead vocals roman glick on bass of course roman glick he brings over from jackal and then kind of cool on drums jesse james dupree's son nigel t dupree but still I don't care if it's a different vibe in terms of who's playing the song. Kill the Sunshine isn't a great song. And they really don't change it up all that much from Jackal's version. So again, a misstep that I personally cannot forgive. And then we get Over My Dead Body. Still not as good as the opening salvo on this album but still good, still solid. Then the final two songs kind of reclaim the promised glory from the first four songs. White Now, White Flag and Rapidi Papa sound different, not, not like experimental, but they kind of deviate in a good way from the standard rock and roll formula that you get on most of these songs on breathing fire and again i'm not saying that's a bad thing jesse james dupree breathes life breathes fire into what others would make standard and boring but white flag and rapidy papa the last two songs are a little bit different a little more creative a little off the beaten path and that's what makes them two of my three favorite songs on the album now i can't really explain them white flag has got a great chorus look at the stains on your white flag and then rapidy papa is again 
another song co-written by Brian Johnson, but not with Jesse James Dupree, with Jimmy Nail. And this is an awesome, awesome song. It is catchy. It is down and dirty. I loved it. So kind of as we've talked about with a lot of albums here over the last couple years since we started this podcast, starts out strong, fades out a bit in the middle, a little bit of a soft, mushy middle in terms of quality, and then comes back at the end with a nice little one-two punch to wake you back up again. So all that being said, I would say yes, yes, you need to listen to Breathing Fire, one of the better albums of 2023. Of course, in a few weeks, we will start discussing our best of 2023 in terms of albums, concerts, and songs. I would say Breathing Fire has a very, very outside chance of breaking the top five for albums. I would say there's probably a little bit better chance that It's Not Love or Rapidy Papa make it into the top five songs of 2023. Not saying it's going to happen either way, though. Very prestigious, hard to get on the list for the best of the year on the Fortress of Rock. All right, two new songs to wind down, break down here. Now, the second single from Judas Priest's upcoming new album, Invincible Shield, Trial by Fire. And this is an improvement over the first single, although I will say I'm, the first single's growing on me, but Trial by Fire is a little bit more of what you expect from Judas Priest. Like we were talking about here a minute ago with Jesse James Dupree, there's nothing wrong with sticking to the formula that works for you. We've seen so many bands in the past. You too strayed far away from the formula that made them popular. They survived it but they went through a very, very down commercial era with Zuropa and Pop. So there's nothing wrong with Judas Priest doing Judas Priest and doing it well, and that is what you get with Trial by Fire. I would say this is a solid recommend as well. So now I'm giving you Jesse James Dupree's full album, the second single from Judas Priest's Invincible Shield, Trial by Fire. Of course, Panic Attack was the first single for the priest. Just, this is better. Trust me, this is better. I didn't hate Panic Attack. It's growing on me. But Trial by Fire, right away. First listen, this is classic Priest. So I've given you two hard rock, thumbs up, recommendations. Unfortunately, the final review here in Breakdown for this week is a thumbs down, a negatory, a no-go. And unfortunately, it comes from somebody who you guys know I love. It's David Lee Roth with yet another new song. David Lee Roth puts out High Fashion Girl. 
and I don't know what the point of this song is in, in terms of music. It's another acoustic song with John 5, but it's pretty much pointless. There are a couple, as you would expect from David Lee Roth, a couple very funny, very interesting turns of phrase in the lyrics. Paraphrasing here, but the best line is something about you've got a flat tire, but the good news is it's only flat on the bottom. David Lee Roth is very sneaky. Sneaky good when it comes to his lyrics. You can you can debate all you want about the quality of his voice now, or even the quality of his of his voice at his heyday in the early 80s, but can't deny the man has enough wit and enough cleverness in his lyrics to sometimes make up for it. Now, in this case, it doesn't. High Fashion Girl is a dull, dull song outside of, like I said, a couple interesting lyrics. So I cannot recommend the latest from David Lee Roth, High Fashion Girl, but something tells me we're not quite done with Mr. Roth yet in 2023. Hmm. Is that foreshadowing from the maestro? Does that mean we need to stick around maybe to segment four to wrap it up? I think so. But you know that's not what comes next. If breakdown is the the meat and potatoes, the heart, the soul, of this podcast each and every week, then what's coming up next, I want to go back, is the skeleton. It is the framework because we are encompassing the history of rock and roll in segment three each and every week. Doc Brown and I, of course, getting ready to hop into the rock and roll DeLorean to take a trip back in time. So hang out through another promo break. We're going to get the DeLorean up to 1.21 gigawatts and take you back for anniversaries of classic album releases, birthdays, and moments in rock and roll history. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Be back in one minute. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time. To look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases, it is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned, and as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, Doc Brown and I have got the Rock and Roll DeLorean out into the Rock and Roll time stream. Dodging some rain, maybe dodging a snowflake or two here on December the 1st, 2023. Episode 120 of the Fortress of Rock. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to the late, great Eddie Money. 
This is where, of course, we look back at the influential moments, birthdays that helped shape and forge the music that we know and love. Let's start off with anniversaries this week. Of course, we'll get into our bitness in between anniversaries and birthdays. First up, December the 1st, 2014. ACDC's drummer Phil Rudd pleads not guilty through his lawyer among drug charges also more heinously were the charges that he was trying to hire someone to kill two men. And this incident, of course, has always since then, going on nine years now, put his future with ACDC in doubt. Occasionally we hear he'll be back in the fold, and then we hear, no, he won't. Now, of course, ACDC, in terms of live shows, hasn't done a heck of a lot in the last nine years. They've put out new music. We will see. We will see if in 2024 we get some sort of an ACDC tour. We will see if Phil Rudd is welcomed back or he is left out. But this whole debacle in 2014 did not help. December the 1st, 1993. Underrated singer Ray Gillen passes away. Fronted, of course, Badlands. Jakey e. Lee's band, and had a brief stint in front of Black Sabbath. December the 1st, 1987. Don't get me started on teachers. Ironically, a line from a Pink Floyd song from The Wall. Teachers, leave those kids alone. A lesson that would be very, very wonderful if some teachers out there would actually latch onto those words and live by them instead of trying to insert themselves way too far into these children's lives. Let the parents parent. So December the 1st, 1987, a Kentucky teacher. Appeal was denied all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court as she was fired for showing the wall to her class. I believe it was a female. If I'm wrong about that, I'm sorry. Switch the genders. That seems to be very easy to do nowadays. Switch the genders. Now, you can feel how you want about this. I'm all for free speech. You know this. But the wall is not suitable content to show in a high school, middle school classroom. It's not. Okay, there need to be boundaries set here. And again, these teachers seem to go way too far. And again, ironically, the line from Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 Hey, teacher, leave those kids alone. 
another lawsuit. Of course, seems to be our primary focus here each and every week on the Fortress of Rock is lawsuits. December the 1st, 1983. Now, I like this one. Now, back then, Geffen Records was the uh, elephant in the room. Geffen was huge back then. Geffen started up with a bunch of huge media moguls backing, signed some amazing artists, some big names. Of course, Asia, I know, was on Geffen. I believe Elton John was on Geffen. And Neil Young, for a period of time, was on Geffen Records. But in 1983, on this day, Geffen Records sued Neil Young. Because, of course, Neil Young, being the flake that he was, the flake that he is, was putting out garbage. Let's put it that way, garbage. One of the albums he submitted to Geffen was, I believe, 25 minutes long, approximately. So Geffen sued Neil Young, saying that, quote, the new music is uncharacteristic and not commercial. Almost sounds like Geffen was accusing Neil Young of some kind of sabotage, rock and roll sabotage. Neil Young wanted the money, wanted the prestige of being on Geffen Records, but didn't want to do the work and just wanted to screw the man, stick it to the man in true rock and roll fashion. But since I don't like Neil Young, good for Geffen for at least putting it out there and saying, you got to at least put an effort in. Okay, Neil? December the 1st, 1967, the Jimi Hendrix Experience puts out their second album, Axis, Bold as Love. And then finally, in our rock and roll anniversaries, December the 1st, 1957, No, it wasn't the Beatles, but it was still a very significant appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. 1957, it was Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Okay, before we get to birthdays, you know, some point in time during this third segment, I have to get out some acknowledgments, and we have to discuss where you can find the Fortress of Rock, and who helps to create the Fortress of Rock. First up, you're listening, so you found us somewhere, but keep in mind, you can find us somewhere else if you become disenchanted with the platform that you're listening to us on right now. You can move along to somebody else. It's like moving on from an old girlfriend to a new girlfriend, a bad boyfriend to a new better boyfriend. You can find The Fortress of Rock on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, iHeartRadio, Overcast, CastBox, Amazon Music, and Audible. And of course, don't forget the Facebook page course, every Friday night, not only do we post the latest link to 
the latest episode. But we also start our Weekend Rock Project. This week's Weekend Rock Project, we want your favorite rock songs with the words near or close. Close talker, like the classic Seinfeld episode, Judge Reinhold. Near or close. So I wonder what is going to be the follow-up next week. Hmm. Hmm. What could that be? But for this weekend, great rock songs with near, close. We'll take variations. Last week, we basically started taking lyrics. So we expanded things a little bit. But lazy people need to actually post the lyrics, not the title of the song, and leave everybody else to figure out what lyrics we're talking about. Post the line. Post the lyric. Then you will be allowed to move on in the good graces of the Fortress of Rock and the Maestro. Also, every Sunday is New Music Sunday. A brand new song, brand new video from YouTube we post. Don't know what we're going to put out there for this Sunday, but we'll find something. We always do. Now you guys know I do my best to try to come up with all this stuff on my own, but that's not possible. You're going to go to sources. You're going to go to websites. You're going to see stories as you're perusing your daily email or the websites you go to for your news, and you happen to see a story about music and rock and roll pop up. So the three main sources for that here on the Fortress of Rock, they are ultimateclassicrock.com. ThisDayInMusic.com, and, of course, the Van Halen News Desk. And I did mention, of course, when it comes to finding set lists for concerts, this isn't something we do each and every week. Obviously, if I went to see a concert every weekend, I'd probably be broke and destitute. But when the need arises so we can go over a set list for a particular concert that I have seen, and I am sharing my review with you. The wiki setlist.fm is absolutely awesome. But of course, it depends on the participation of the people at the concerts. And as I mentioned, with the Chris Isaac show from the last segment, not enough people participated, not enough people attended to really get a set list out there for us. Again, I will let this go. I promise I will let it go. I'm just embarrassed and disappointed again by Northern Indiana and the people that pretend to care about live music here. So let's move on to birthdays, shall we? Starting off with December the 1st, 1971. Greg Upchurch, drummer for Three Doors Down. Going all the way back now to December the 1st, 1953. 
We're working at the car wash. Working at the car wash, yeah. Gwen Dickey from the band Rose Royce, of course, responsible for that iconic song, Car Wash. Another iconic song. Birthday on December the 1st, 1946 for Gilbert O'Sullivan. You know the song. Alone again, naturally. I promise I'll stop singing. I, I promise. But again, I'm having a good time. Hopefully you are as well. When I have a good time, I start to sing. Badly, I'll admit, but be that as it may, now we move on to one of my favorite early influence bands. Same birthday as Gilbert O'Sullivan, December the 1st, 1946. Oliver Brown, percussionist for KC and the Sunshine Band. Yes, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for the disco era. Formative years for my musical tastes and influences. Casey and the Sunshine Band was one of the first favorite bands that I ever had. Right up there with Kiss, Foreigner, and then eventually, of course, the mighty Van Halen took over and everybody else was in the rear view forever. December the 1st, 1944. Remember how I mentioned accidentally on purpose in segment one, how Rob Reiner was kind of a, a bonehead, not a meathead, a bonehead, a bad human being. Well, I'm going to have another Freudian slip here and say, so's Bette Midler. Bette Midler's a nasty human being, but... We have to acknowledge, of course, her influence in the world of music. Of course, the, the movie The Rose and the title track, very, very big at the time. So born on this day, 1944, Bette Midler. Let's move on on the same day to somebody better, though. December the 1st, 1944. Eric Bloom, guitarist for Blue. Oyster cult. And let's go even better. Same day. December the 1st, 1944. The birthday of the drummer for the Doors, John Densmore. So we build up momentum here. You know, on, on this day in 1944, we go from the kooky and the crazy to the classic rocker, to the all-time legend. And then finally, last but not least, the smooth voice of Lou Rawls. You'll never find another love like mine. I swear, that's it. That's the last of the singing. And I cannot do that song justice. Lou Rawls had such an awesome, amazing voice. 
Lou Rawls born on this day, December the 1st, 1936. So that is going to do it. Doc Brown is pulling the rock and roll DeLorean back into the Fortress Garage. Pulling the door closed, pulling up the drawbridge, getting ready to shut things down for the night. Great week of weekend of college football coming. So he and I are heading for the big screen in the Fortress Lounge to have a couple adult beverages and watch Oregon and Washington. But before we get there and do that, we're not done yet. Doc Brown and I will tap the keg, but I will be right back to tell you what's going to come up for the rest of 2023 here on the Fortress of Rock. Wrap it up is next. Be back in one more minute, kids. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, you know what time it is. The fourth and final segment here on the Fortress of Rock each and every Friday night is Wrap It Up. Of course, our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds as we look ahead for the next three or four weeks to what you can expect here on the Fortress of Rock. Now you know, we've talked about it, things are going to start winding down here in terms of new music. Everything that is pretty much going to come out has come out for the next couple months. Of course, we'll get things ramped up again. Later in January 2024 into February, we'll have New Green Day, we'll have Judas Priest, we'll have Blackberry Smoke in terms of albums. I did get my delivery today. Had to drop the drawbridge, let my trusted Amazon delivery person bring me my copy of Peter Gabriel's I.O. Finally. Got it before the price went up. Got it at a decent price. It's double CD. The light side and the dark side mixes both. So, next week, here on the Fortress of Rock, you would think I am a huge Peter Gabriel fan. And I'm not. I like him. I respect him. I like Genesis. But I just, I'm intrigued by the way he rolled this album out over the course of the year of course a new song every new moon so he's pretty much released every song on the album already now we get the full sequence the full package 
to take in all at once. And again, both versions, light side, dark side. So next week, episode 121, dropping on December the 8th, will feature my review of I.O. from Peter Gabriel. Still on the slate for two weeks from tonight. Ultimate Classic Rock listed it as one of the best rock albums of 2023. That would be the brand new album from Dirty Honey. Can't find the breaks. We will have that for you in two weeks on episode 122, dropping December the 15th. And then, of course, our holiday episode. Yes, we try to have some fun and do a Christmas episode. In three weeks, a couple days before Christmas itself, episode 123. That will hit on December the 22nd. We will review Mark Tremonti's Merry Christmas Classics, Old and New. Of course, Mark Tremonti. You know him from his band, Tremonti. You know him from Alter Bridge and Creed. Now, of course, I have teased the fact that we have a super secret special Christmas song to review. Now, it's not new. It goes back about 15 years, but I dug this up, found this. It's a fun, fun one, kids. Trust me on this. So that'll be coming up in three weeks here on the Fortress of Rock. Now, of course, we still have to catch up with the Struts new album. We'll get that in probably at some point. If not this month, Probably early January 2024. We've also got to give you our rundown of the best of 2023 albums, concerts, and songs. You know we look forward to that each and every year here on The Fortress. In terms of songs, this is where the well is getting a little bit dried up. Now we mentioned in segment one, to kind of stick it to Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. Ace Fraley made his big announcement this past week, trying to take some of the luster and shine off of the final few shows of Kiss's End of the Road Farewell Tour. Ace Fraley announced his new album, the track listing, the cover art, and released the first song, the title track. So Ace Fraley's 10,000 volts will be coming up here in the next week or two on The Fortress. Another, yet another new David Lee Roth song. I told you he was not done with us yet. Coming off the disappointing high fashion girl, next up from David Lee Roth is Wash and Fold. So we will have that for you here in the next few weeks on the Fortress of Rock. And then finally, we've been promising the third single from Blackberry Smoke's upcoming 2024 album. And they keep getting better, which is very interesting. Usually by the second single, you have got the best 
from your new album out there. One of those first two releases is usually the best song on the album. But I'm telling you, these songs keep getting better with Blackberry Smoke. So the third single, yes, I've already listened to it, so I know what I'm talking about for once. Hammer and the Nail. And I do believe that will definitely make the cut for next week's podcast. And of course, hopefully we'll get some more new stuff to review for you in terms of songs. I'm sure we'll get another Judas Priest song or two, another Green Day song or two before their respective albums come out. Probably get one more Blackberry Smoke, but let's take care of Hammer and the Nail first. Who knows, David Lee Roth might release a eight-CD box set of material we've never heard before with the way he's been throwing stuff at us lately. Still kind of trying to track down Getty Lee's songs that he premiered the first night of his book tour for My F in Life, his autobiography. Those have not hit yet from what I've been able to tell but when they do, of course, we will be all over those. So enjoy this time of the year. Hopefully work for you is going to wind down in the next couple of weeks. You'll get a nice break over the holidays. Be able to spend time with your family and your friends, your loved ones. And of course, if you don't have family, if you don't have a lot of friends, love the one you're with. Because in the end, that's all you can do. And of course, I am the maestro Kevin Crane. You are who you are. Thanks once again for hanging out with me for about an hour and a half on a Friday night. As I mentioned, Doc Brown and I are going to start watching some football, having some adult beverages. Join us, won't you? Have some fun. And if you don't want to watch football, turn on some new music. Put on some tunes. Listen to Jesse James Dupree. Pull out an old album that you haven't listened to in a while. Enjoy that instead. If Jackal and Jesse James Dupree, that's not your cup of tea. Once again, take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. Take care of your friends. We'll take care of you each and every Friday night when it comes to discussing rock and roll. I'm the maestro. Peace out.